Less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Hello and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jake Green. Welcome to the Liberty World. Uh, for those joining us for the very first time, uh, we on the show we talk about Georgia politics, uh, Georgia culture, and how that affects your freedom and your liberty to live as you please, um, to do the things you want to do with your own person and your own property. Uh, so if that interests you, keep listening. We got some good stuff to talk about today. Um, I'd like to start by updating y'all. So last week we talked a lot about the World Economic Forum. We're going to talk a lot about that today too, because now it's over. Um, it's a week of stupidity that happens in Switzerland every year. Um, it's actually stupidity from our view. It's very, very intelligent people getting together to try to ruin the world is basically what the World Economic Forum is. And in case you weren't aware, our governor, the guy that many of you elected here in Georgia, uh, went to Davos this year to be a uh, panelist and hold a bunch of meetings uh, while he was there. Uh, it was speculation why he got invited. My thought was that he, um, my thought was that since he got Hyundai and Rivian and a couple other massive manufacturers to come to Georgia and create jobs for Georgians um, and kind of be a somewhat at the forefront of the electric revolution, I guess. Um, they wanted him there to talk about that and talk about, uh, I guess, the election, which you'll see here in a minute. So um, I'm going to share my screen. And I've learned how to do this much better uh, recently, which is pretty great. The uh, last Liberty Libations. So this is America Unbound World Economic Forum. Um, the speakers were... Bjorg Brende, Brian Kemp, Kirsten Cinema, who's a, I believe, a senator from Arizona. Uh, Christopher Coons, another senator. Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia. Maria Elvira Salazar. I don't remember what her title was. Uh, Mickey Sherrill and J.B. Pritzker. Don't remember what, why they're involved in this, but. I thought we would listen to some of our glorious governor talk um, and just bear with me because the moderator for this is absurdly boring and painful to listen to. Let me remove this background. It is distracting. Um, painful to listen to. His questions are stupid, verging on completely irrelevant. Um, so just bear with me through that. But uh, let's get to Brian Kemp all over the world uh, ah, hang on let me fix my audio so there's no echo for you um during the last elections um you um were very uh, clear on some uh principles you were re-elected uh, a broad majority now um 
Of course, there has been some reflections of why the Republicans didn't do better uh, in uh, the House uh, rep House election with, with representatives. And a lot of the candidates that were um, election deniers uh, were not elected. Any reflections on that because of your own background too? Because you came under some pressure, but you, you didn't really give in on that, did you? Well, I mean, look, I wouldn't want to try to speculate on, you know, every member, every Republican candidate for, for Congress or the United States Senate outside what we saw in Georgia. My own perspective is I think the people of the state that I represent, which is a great one, uh, they, you know, look, they want us to know, they want to know the differences between the candidates, but they also want to know what <laughs> we're for. Like, what are they going to get the next four years? And that's something that we just stayed focused on. And I think when you look at the at the Republican ticket in the state of Georgia, um, we've had two record years in a row economically. Our mid-year numbers will probably break last year's numbers if you take out the two big mega, mega projects we had. We talked about the things that we did on teacher pay raises, on school security, our two health care waivers, even though uh, a lot of the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. was trying to hold those up. We had innovative solutions that are lower in private sector costs and bringing more access to people, uh, really pushing back to the one-size-fits-all narrative that my opponent's been driving for literally six years now. And uh, I think people bought into that. They bought into a politician that and, – and I got this question at the end of the campaign. Uh, a reporter said, what's your closing message to people? And I asked the question to the voters, you know, look at the candidates and ask who's been fighting for you, who was fighting to keep your business open when all the pressure from both political parties, from people in high places, from a lot of other people that were sitting in their basement on a computer. Okay, let's pause it. Great screenshot right there. Uh, he didn't fight for crap. People have such a short memory. He has a short memory. He's counting on you having a short memory. He locked us down. He said, turn in your neighbors. It's literally in our, in our opening title sequence. Um, he said, if you or someone you know, if someone you know or see is doing something that they shouldn't, report it to us. And by that, he meant if they're breaking the lockdowns, if they're out socializing with people, turn in your friends and neighbors. He didn't protect us from anything. Yes, he reopened sooner than a bunch of other governors, but he locked us down to begin with and threatened us with jail, prison. It's absolutely ridiculous. Let's keep going. Was not to stay open, was not to reopen our economy. Who was pushing to get our kids back in the classroom? Well, we did all of those things. And, you know, we proved that we were fighting for people. We were fighting for election security. We were fighting for people to have a good paying job and to have, you know, to survive, to li live, a, to fight another day economically in our state. Uh, we fought for our people by giving them a billion dollars of their tax money back to help them fight through 40 year high inflation. You guys, what a billion dollars does uh, through state of georgia actually let's let's actually just look this up real quick uh popu population of georgia let's see 10.7 million 
So let's do the math here. So that's 1 billion divided by... Want to guess how much per person was given back? Uh, our own money, mind you. It's our own taxpayer money. We paid it. You want to know how much per person was given back to the Georgia citizens? $93.46. So thanks, Brian Kemp. That billion dollars really helped out a lot of people. Um, let's keep going. Because in my opinion, of a lot of bad policies in Washington, D.C., and the voters of, of my state, the great state of Georgia, certainly responded to that. Thank you, Governor. Um, how does it look seeing it from uh, the capital, your capital, and looking at uh, D.C.? Um, there's a lot of partisanship. And, of course, there will be disagreements in the democracy. But do you think it has gone so far that it can be a negative factor for America now moving forward? Listen, I think from my perspective, a lot of frustration with Washington, D.C. I understand, you know, Senator Coombs' position on the IRA. Uh, but, you know, that hurt Georgia-based uh, electric vehicle companies in our state. It was not treating them fairly. I believe the legislation picked winners and losers. Thankfully, I think the administration is working on, on fixing that. I don't think we were treated fairly in a state because we had been open. We had a low unemployment rate. So, the level of funding coming out of Washington, D.C. and the current administration, we were treated differently from New York and California. You know, their citizens per capita were getting more money than ours. And so that's frustrating to some someone like me as a governor that just wants to be uh, have our citizens treated, treated fairly. You know, there's frustrations, quite honestly. Look, if there's gridlock in Washington, D.C., uh, one thing you can count on is the stability and a great economy, a great business environment in the state of Georgia, and we're going to keep rocking and rolling. But it is frustrating to have to deal with the fentanyl crisis because we simply cannot secure our border in this country. And I'm hopeful that something gets done. But, you know, my advice, take it for what it's worth while we're waiting on that, just secure the border. I mean, literally every governor in the country is dealing with the fentanyl crisis. We're dealing with street gang crisis. We're dealing with human trafficking crisis. And those are the issues that we're trying to tackle at the state level. Uh, but I believe much could be solved. And I think there will be broad bipartisan support for simply in the meantime, you, while you're working on these things to secure the dang border. So I don't know about you, but that last little bit kind of sounded like something from a presidential speech or somebody trying to maybe hint at running for president in the future. He's talking about issues outside of his state that are affecting our state, the fentanyl crisis, uh, the, the border crisis, the whatever else he said. Um, so I don't know. There's something, there's something about that that made me think that he might be wanting to run for president um, at some point. I mean, he did beat Stacey Abrams twice and, Stacey Abrams is like the golden child of the Democratic Party. They love her. They love losers over there. And, and she's the best at losing <laughs> um, to someone who's barely competent. Let's face it, barely competent. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I found it interesting that throughout the entire time he was talking, it was 
lie after lie and exaggerations and had nothing to do with what the question was. It, it just didn't seem like it, he just doesn't seem like he fits there. Um, and so I don't know. He just, he's just a liar. Uh, he lied about a whole bunch of stuff during that video. So let's, uh, I'm not going to mute myself anymore. That's for sure. Because I ended up, uh, talking when, uh, I was completely muted. So let's go to another video. We won't watch this whole thing. It's five minutes, but I just thought it was funny. Is it here? I don't know. I think he could have given me you have a good explanation. Sir, we're not doing interviews right now. If you'd like to do something, you can call our team at the office and be glad to try to. Well, we can walk and talk for a couple of minutes. <laughs> Governor, really quickly, what do you say to your critics who think this is a globalist event? How come you're blocking uh, the not. governor from answering to his constituents? What would you say to your critics who think this is not the right place for me, America sir, First we're, Republican? We're trying to. I think my story is pretty clear. Governor, well, but, but here you are with a bunch of globalists. Alex Soros is here. Why are you coming to a Soros event? Just, I'm, I'm sure you have a good explanation. Sir, we're not doing interviews right now. If you'd like to do something, you can call our team at the office and be glad to try to... Well, we can walk and talk for a couple of minutes. Is this a rebuke to the America First Wing of your party? <laughs> There's a lot of censors here, a lot of big tech censors here. Do you, do you criticize that? Have you talked to any of the globalists or censors and let them know your first amendment point of view so anyway it goes on like that for quite a while um i think it's five full minutes of that dude following following brian kemp and brian kemp not answering one question and mind you they're super benign easy questions to answer um it, it would not have been difficult for him to actually give a real interview you know walk and talk um yeah, very benign. I just thought it was funny that he absolutely was not going to talk to this reporter. Rebel News, they do some good stuff. Uh, they do some really good reporting. Um, so if you want to if you want to go watch them, watch some of their stuff, go to their YouTube channel. All right. Now for the main topic of the day, which is um, a specific talk that was given at the World Economic Forum. We're going to watch quite a bit of it right here. Um, we're not going to watch all 30 minutes of it, but at least the first uh, five to 10 minutes or so. Um, so if you're watching this, you can see the people talking. If you're not, obviously you can't. Um, during her demonstration, she's going to show some slides. She's going to show some pictures. She's going to show some graphics. Um, I'll pause and try to describe them to you. Um, so that you know what's going on if you're consuming this via audio. So here we go. Hello, everybody. I'm Nicholas Thompson. I'm the CEO of The Atlantic, and I will be your moderator today. We are going to have an incredible session. Star of the show is Nita Farahani. She is a futurist and legal ethicist at Duke. And she's so smart and so interesting. You're going to learn a ton. This is how it's going to work. We're going to watch a short video. She's going to come on stage and talk. And then we're going to do a little Q&A, questions from the audience. And that'll be a wrap. And you'll leave enlightened and excited. So first off, a video 
uh, it's going to make you see the future and understand a wonderful future where we can use brainwaves to fight crime, be more productive, and find love. Let's roll. You're in the zone. Even you can't believe how productive you've been. Your memo is finished, your inbox is under control, and you're feeling sharper than you have in a decade. Sensing your joy, your playlist shifts to your favorite song. Sending chills up your spine as the music begins to play. You glance at the program running in the background on your computer screen and notice a now familiar sight that appears whenever you're overloaded with pleasure, your theta brainwave activity decreasing in the temporal regions of your brain. You mentally move the cursor to the left and scroll through your brain data over the past few hours. You can see your stress levels rising as the deadline to finish your memo approached, causing a peak in your beta brainwave activity right before an alert popped up, telling you to take a brain break. But what's that unusual change in your brain activity when you're asleep? It started earlier in the month. You send a text message to your doctor with a mental swipe of your cursor. Could you take a quick look at my brain data? Anything to worry about? Your mind starts to wander to the new colleague on your team, whom you know you shouldn't be daydreaming about, given the policy against intra-office romance. But you can't help fantasizing just a little. But then you start to worry that your boss will notice your amorous feelings when she checks your brain activity and shift your attention back to the present. You breathe a sigh of relief when the email she sends you later that day congratulates you on your brain metrics from the past quarter, which have earned you another performance bonus. You head home jamming to the music with your work-issued brain-sensing earbuds still in. When you arrive at work the next day, a somber cloud has fallen over the office. Along with emails, text messages, and GPS location data, the government has subpoenaed employees' brainwave data from the past year. They have compelling evidence that one of your coworkers has committed massive wire fraud. Now, they're looking for his co-conspirators. You discover they are looking for synchronized brain activity between your coworker and the people he has been working with. While you know you're innocent of any crime, you've been secretly working with him on a new startup venture. Shaking, you remove your earbuds. What do you think? Is it a future you're ready for? You may be surprised to learn that it's a future that has already arrived. Everything in that video that you just saw is based on technology that is already here today. Artificial intelligence has enabled advances in decoding brain activity in ways that we never before thought possible. You've heard a lot about AI over the past few years. Here at Davos, it's been the talk of the hour, but I want to talk about it in a different way, which is the ability to decode brainwave activity. After all, what you think, what you feel, it's all just data. Data that in large patterns can be decoded using artificial intelligence. Consider this, the average person thinks thousands of thoughts each day. As a thought takes form, like, a math calculation, you're happy, you're tired, you're hungry, you're elated. Neurons are firing in your brain, emitting tiny electrical discharges. 
as a particular thought takes form, hundreds of thousands of neurons fire in characteristic patterns that can be decoded with EEG or electroencephalography and AI powered devices. In fact, what you're seeing here is my brain activity while I'm wearing a simple device like the one on the right. We're not talking about implanted devices of the future. I'm talking about wearable devices that are like Fitbits for your brain. It used to be that there was very little we could tell from EEG activity, but already using consumer wearable devices, these are headbands, uh, hats that have sensors that can pick up your brainwave activity, earbuds, headphones, tiny tattoos that you can wear behind your ear. We can pick up emotional states, like are you happy or sad or angry? We can pick up and decode faces that you're seeing in your mind. Simple shapes, numbers, your PIN number to your bank account. It's not just your brain activity here that we can pick up. We can also pick up your brain activity in different places, like as your neurons fire from your brain down your arm and send signals to your hand to tell you how to type, move. All of that can be decoded through electromyography. And that's what you're seeing here as a device now in the form of a simple wearable watch that can pick up that activity. And one of the pivotal acquisitions of the field, Meta acquired this company, Control Labs, in 2019 because major tech companies are investing in helping to make these devices universally applicable as the way in which we interact with the rest of our technology. In fact, the coming future, and I mean near-term future, is these devices being the primary way in which we interact with all of the rest of our technology. All right. That's all I can watch right now. If you would like to watch the rest of it, um, you can go to the World Economic Forum's website, weforum.org, and it's the title of the, of the video is Ready for Brain Transparency? Question mark. Um, if you're not freaked out by that, if you don't find that creepy, this probably isn't the podcast for you. <laughs> um, yeah, you're probably in the wrong place if you find that at all okay. Because, I mean, the fact that this thing on my arm, I wear, it's basically a Fitbit, it's called a whoop strap, can monitor some of my brainwave activity and they can see, and it can be used to see what I'm typing with that hand and how my hand does different gestures. And I have no control over what they use that data for. That's a pretty horrifying thought. Um, the fact that this is already happening, that opening video, that opening video, they're going to try to make that the norm. They already installed cameras on people's computers to watch their eyes so that they know if they're if an employee is working. Um, they already, you know, uh, they have mouse sensors so they know if the person's mouse is moving so they know if the person's working. This is one big. It, it, they they market it as like work efficiency or 
um, being a good worker and trying to gather as much data as possible to make the company as efficient as possible so that everybody wins and everybody makes more money and um, people do a good job and people are held accountable for things. But what's what all of this is going to end up doing is being used to attack people that people in power do not like and do not want around anymore. I don't know about you, but I don't. Uh, if you're convicting somebody based on their brainwave activity, um, if you're finding accomplices to somebody based on synchronized brainwave activity, um, that's the minority report future seeing BS. Um, and that's a that's a horrifying future that we that apparently we're going down um, because everyone wears wearable devices. She talks about uh, later on, she talks about like earbuds, like headphones, um, like wireless ones, um, not ones like these, thank goodness, but stuff like this, Apple AirPods. Um, they could have sensors in them that monitor your brainwave activity so that you don't have to lift a finger in order to exist on earth. You can just think things and they happen. The caveat to that, to that kind of convenience, the convenience of being able to write an email, um, you know, change a program, switch from one tab to the other with just your brain, send a text message, all these different things, all these things that you can do without literally lifting a finger. The convenience of that, comes with a caveat and that caveat will be you will be watched and surveilled for the entirety of your life <laughs> once you give in to that first step um you want to talk about dystopian futures i mean that whole scenario that she laid out at the beginning with that with that cartoon if you if you're watching it was a cartoon um that she was describing um about the lady at work who was nervous about being a co-conspirator with, with somebody else who got arrested. Um, I mean, I can't think of a more dystopian future. There are so many movies and books that, that, that have that exact scenario kind of scenario in it. Um, and they're portraying this as a good thing. Like, if you go watch more of the World Economic Forum, you're going to see that this is not a standalone thing. They, they want to be able to surveil you all the time. They want to be able to keep tabs on you no matter where you go. Um, and I can't speak for everybody's intentions with this kind of stuff. But what I do know is that it will absolutely be used by governments and by large, powerful companies and people to control, manipulate, and ruin certain people that they deem unworthy to be allowed to do what they want to do. That's a pretty, pretty terrifying thought. So definitely go watch some of this because these people, all these people who gather at this World Economic Forum each year are people who are making decisions that affect your life. Brian Kemp is there. A whole bunch of other senators are there. There are tons of people at this um, 
at this convention forum, whatever you want to call it, that that are behind the scenes or right out in front, just laying down laws, putting legislation in place, um, all sorts of things to that affect you and how you live your everyday life and that will affect it far into the future. These aren't things that can just be, once a law is in place, it's super difficult to take it back. It's super difficult to unmake that law. And so once these laws are in, in place, they're pretty much there. They're pretty much there, if not forever, for a very long time. So pay attention to what your uh, leaders are doing um, behind the scenes when they're not uh, out in front in public on, on camera, you know, um, promising that they'll give you welfare or whatever. Who gives a crap? Um, yeah, as a counter to that, I thought this was a good time to bring up that Elizabeth Melton, our director of communications has put together a presentation on smart cities. Smart cities seem to be using some of these tactics that you just saw and many, many more to sell you convenience while making it a complete police state that can observe everything you do. Um, these are being implemented all across the United States, even here in Georgia. Um, and she has a wonderful presentation, let's see, that talks about this. It's just under an hour long. Let me bring it up. There we go. So just under an hour long, you can go to our YouTube channel, which you might be watching this on right now. Libertarian Party of Georgia is our YouTube channel. Um, it's Life in a Smart City, and it goes into great detail of everything that is involved in smart cities. Um, some of it you probably already know. Some of it you might find okay and not really a big deal. Um, I assure you that all of it is a very big deal, especially when you combine them all together. So if you have time um, and a desire, please go watch Smart Cities. Um, also, if you end up watching it and you would like, uh, you like more info on it or how to uh, approach your city council or local government, um, about these smart cities and present it to them at a city council meeting or whatever, email operations at lpgeorgia.com. Um, and in the subject line, put in smart city and Elizabeth will get back to you and she'll give you the PowerPoint presentation. Um, she'll go over some of the details with you because she's presented this at city council before. And the goal is to try to get as many cities to not do this, to like put into writing that they will not implement these uh, regulations um, in their cities. So if you have the interest, if you have any interest in doing that, reach out to her operations at lpgeorgia.com smart city in the subject line. Um, and yeah, 
We're going to wrap up in just a second. Head on over to demandtobefree.com if you found any of the stuff that I talked about today intriguing. If you're thinking about joining the Libertarian Party of Georgia, sign up right there. You can see it. Have you had enough? Join us. There are a ton of people here in Georgia, a ton of great people who just have had an, about enough of this government and um, all the restrictions and regulations and insanity that they impose upon us. And um, put filling out this 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 form doesn't mean you're joining. It just means you want some more info. Um, and we have plenty of info to give and uh, we would love it if you signed up and and uh, and reached out to us because we're trying to grow our trying to grow our organization. Finally, the Libertarian Party of Georgia is putting on the Great Create. It is a DIY freedom festival and is happening in May in Cherokee Pines at Cherokee Pines in Perry, Georgia. This website right here, thegreatcreate.org, is not fully functional as of yet, but it should be by the end of the week or maybe next week. Um, but this is what it looks like. It's got event highlights. Uh, come meet Georgia locals, get to know your neighbors, discover their side hustle, and make connections. It's all this. What this is is all about the push towards self-sustainability. Um, the push towards DIY, doing things yourself um, and not being so reliant on um, so many other people to get you your food, your furniture, your um, house, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, there'll be a bunch of DIY demonstrations. There's going to be a film festival. There's going to be concerts. Um, there's going to be a whole bunch of awesome activities, um, fun for the whole family. Uh, Mr. Shane Hazel will be speaking. Um, John Mons and John Vaughn. Wow. Two very similar names. That'll be fun. We're going to do a live free Georgia podcast, a live radical with Shane Hazel. We're going to do a live Liberty Libations and a live The Happy Homeschooler, which is fantastic. We're going to have a film festival. My movie, Divide and Dominate, will be there. Uh, Monopoly on Violence, which is a pretty famous uh, documentary in the libertarian world. Little Pink House, and we're going to have some Daywalker comedy. If y'all don't know who Daywalker comedy is, um, tune in to our Liberty Libations from two weeks ago. And she she was on the podcast. We sh showed a couple of her um, sketches. They were hilarious. So I highly recommend checking her out on YouTube, Daywalker comedy. Um, we're going to do some... Classes, demos, panels, and fun. We're going to do all sorts of stuff. All this will be clickable in the near future. Um, and yeah, kids welcome. 16 and under can come for free. It's all about shifting your perspective and trying to build a more sustainable, self-reliant life. So if any of that intrigues you, go check it out. Uh, the website will be fully functional in the coming weeks. Um, and before it is, please go to demandtobefree.com or lpgeorgia.com and for tons of information. Um, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for sticking around for 35 minutes. Uh, we will see you Liberty Libations this week, 8 p.m. live with 
two or three other libertarians or non-libertarians just talking politics, culture, nonsense while we have a couple cocktails. So join us there. If not, we'll see you next week on the Free Georgia Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.